0: Hey, friends, you're listening to the Hope and Hard Pills podcast, where we are exploring practical insight for racial justice and social change. I'm your host, Andre Henry. And today, we have a wonderful guest on the show. Letty Elizabeth is joining us. She's an anti-racism educator and and the host of the History Shows This podcast. And is doing a lot of research about the Green Book. We're excited to talk with her. But before we jump into it, a couple announcements. As always, um, the music today is provided by me, Andre Henry, your favorite singer-songwriter. If you love the show and you want to make sure it keeps on going, please feel free to join our team. We call you part of the team because you're really actually helping make the show happen so you can hop over to patreon.com slash andre henry and we are relaunching the hope and hard pills podcast counting down to the release of my book all the white friends i couldn't keep released march 22nd 2022 it's based on some of my music telling lots of stories about how i joined the movement and all that kind of stuff you know just check it out anyway without further ado we're going to get into our conversation with letty letty thanks for joining us today
1: thank you for having me i'm super excited
0: I'm super excited, too. I, I feel like I don't ha- always have a lot of people on the show that I've actually met in person before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but we had like a cool weekend in Atlanta with some other anti-racism educators. And so I'm really excited to have you on the show and to talk about your work. So why don't you tell us about the History Shows this podcast and the work that you're doing over there?
1: Yeah, so I started the podcast in July of 2019. It's really because I had a blog before and writing is cool and all, but like if you've done scholarly writing, it ain't that easy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, also though, I realized how much more I wanted to say and people kept telling me, they're like, whenever you listen, I mean, talk, people listen to you mm-hmm. and your voice is like captivating. You know, people would say that to me and I'm like, Really? Is it? Because I'm just out here (laughs) rambling and just ranting about history. (laughs) So like, really? And so, um, yeah, I started the podcast July 2019 and really, uh, well, at the time it was called Sincerely Letty. Mm -hmm. Because that was the name of the blog. And I changed it this year, the beginning of this year, to call it History Shows Us. Because Mm -hmm. I'm always saying, well, history shows us, like that's a phrase of mine. And Yeah, and so um, as a historian, uh, in an, well, first as a historian, that's really why I started the podcast. Is because I saw this need for people to connect the dots with history, and they weren't connecting them the way that I was seeing history. And so I was like, well, I'll just do it and show people how to look at the history. Right? Like I understand that there are people out there that love history, and that's wonderful. People that don't love history, that's also fine. The thing with me, like getting my master's in history, it was really about learning how to not only interrogate history, but how to create this craft of my own about how I choose to defend history and how I tell history. And so I love podcasts. To be honest, I have not been as consistent with it this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I was consistent like February or March to like May. And Mm -hmm. then it started being like one or two episodes a month, maybe one a month. And it's just really because of life. Life happens. And I do Uh all my stuff myself. And it's a lot of work to have a podcast alone, right? Uh But I'm fine with it. I'm I'm fine with it. I also am going through a lot of life changes this year. And that's part of what I talk about on my podcast too, is how I'm a Black woman. I'm a historian. I'm I'm this podcast host. I'm this Mm anti-racism educator. But I'm also a human being
0: right yes yes. it's so important because I feel like we become commodified in the work sometimes and people just kind of expect you to keep on creating and creating and creating and at a certain point it can become dehumanizing because it's like you know you are a person behind it I feel like it is important for people to know the person behind the content that they are
2: yeah, I mean, I even hate
0: saying consuming because we want to be doing more than just creating commodities for people c- to consume. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And we can talk about, I think, you know, I've been thinking about this all morning. I was like, "Am are, is this what we're talking about when we talk about neoliberalism? How like
2: mm-hmm. you're creating
0: something, you know, because you want to make a difference, but it ends up just being kind of like devoured by this consumer capitalist logic where people are expecting to have something that like makes them feel this thing or that entertains them and that you're supposed to work (laughs) and work and work Mm -hmm. and work to satiate that, that Mm -hmm. hunger or whatever. Anyway. So all that to say, I, so, I, so relate to what you're saying, (laughs) (laughs) bringing your whole self to the work. We stand, we applaud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really, it's part of too, like how I teach history. Yes, sure. History is dates and times and places and people. Yes, but history is so much more than that. And Mm -hmm. it's about the humanity, right? Like people can look at these people in history and history books or whatever, and you see this person and what they say about them, right? You don't Mm -hmm. see the life of the person. You don't understand that they were people going through what they were going through, right? Um, Sure, like you may read, I don't know. Um, Matter of fact, no, I will talk about this for just a second, because I read Mm -hmm. an article this morning about Mm -hmm. Blood Brothers, which is the new documentary on Netflix about Mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. I haven't watched it yet, um, but I want to watch it. And uh, I'm already preparing myself to know that they're not going to talk about the fact that the U.S. government infiltrated the relationship. But that's a whole other conversation, because Mm -hmm. why would a Netflix documentary tell the complete truth about history? Right. Like That's not going to happen. But I do still want to watch it. But wait, did you say later, Malcolm
0: X and Marcus Garvey
1: No, Ma- Muhammad Ali.
0: Oh, Ali, Ali. Got mm-hmm, it. Yeah. All right. I've so, seen the, the the ad, but I haven't watched it.
1: Yeah, I I've seen a couple of trailers for it. And it looks, it looks decent. And I read an article about it today that was a really critical review of it. Just taking that for example, people can look at that, right? Like look at Malcolm and look mm-hmm. at Malcolm as this figure. iconic legendary black man um Mm -hmm. during the black power movement and i get that yes he absolutely was he's one of my favorite people in black history and also with that you aren't reading about the number of times that he went to bed at night not knowing if his house is going to be bombed. you don't read about right like the fears that he had about his children you don't read about what happened whenever he was just walking down the street and hate him right like there's a lot more to history and that's what i try to convey over my podcast is that and also the importance of seeing the history through this lens not this white supremacist lens like there's a decolonization that's got to happen in a dismantling Mm -hmm. of mind, right so yeah i love talking also (laughs) (laughs) there's there's that
0: (laughs) we love it so Yeah, I was interested to just see like what your focus is as a historian, because I know that a lot of times like people who are doing this kind of work, you know, they they find a thing that they are, they become experts in. That's their field of study. And I saw that you were working on research around the Green Book, Mm -hmm. you know, which I haven't, I only, I know so little about the Green Book. I know that it exists, Mm -hmm. right? And that existed. And that's kind of it. And I I don't know a lot of historians that actually focus on that area of history. So I was really excited to hear about what that research is looking like for you. Are you finding anything surprising, you know, What's standing out to you there? If you can share it, because I figure they're probably going yeah. like, to write a book about this. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's fine. I Yeah. So first, there are actually two books written about the Green Book, like two books right now. That's really it. Um, one is called Driving While Black. It's by Gretchen Soren. And one is by Candacy e. Taylor. And it's called The Overground Railroad. Hers came out last mm-hmm. year. And I think Gretchen Soren's came out I would say two or three years ago. I actually became interested in the Green Book because here in Wilmington, North Carolina, back in early 2019, I read this article in the Star News, which is a local newspaper. And they had some Green Book locations listed, like 10 of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was this article talking about them and all right, cool. And I was like, that's interesting that there were only there is no way there are only 10 here right and for people mm-hmm. listening that don't know the green book uh was actually called the negro motorist green book um it was this travel guide that black people used from 1936 uh, in 1936 to 1967 um to travel safely in the country to know which places uh they were welcome at so that included restaurants barbershops uh t- hotels, motels, gas stations, um, taverns, uh, dance halls, all of that. And yeah, so I just started digging in some and I actually did, I've done two lectures here in Wilmington. I did one in October, 2019 at the Bellamy Museum and tons of people, like over a hundred people showed up and it was, it was Mm.
2: great.
1: Yeah. And then I did one earlier this year over Zoom. For the um, North Carolina Preservation Society, so that was an mm-hmm. online lecture and really, what it is though is like history research that I do that surface mm-hmm. level to me is like in depth to like other people right but mm-hmm. it's just because mm-hmm. i'm I do such deep digging all the time, and my mind just knows how to do it super fast so I started looking in um summer of twenty nineteen I started looking for copies of the Green Book and I found them at the Schomburg or online um, through the Schomburg Center. And mm-hmm. I was able to look through all of them. So I flipped through all of them, made this little like spreadsheet, had every location that was in Wilmington and I had the dates listed. I put an X beside which date they, they appeared, how the addresses changed. Um, mm-hmm. any, anything that changed that was listed in, the, in that green book from which, whichever year, I just made sure mm-hmm. to keep a record of that that's important yeah. when it comes to history. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, then I just like did a lecture about that. Um, that was really very surface level research. And I found out that Wilmington had 52 green book locations. One of the most, the second most locations in North Carolina. Um, wow. that's, yeah. Right. People don't know that. And so mm-hmm. I um, also connected um The history, so you can't just start with with 1937. There are questions that have to be asked, like why was the Green Book even necessary? Um, Where did it come from, right? So Mm -hmm. it was started by this Black man named Victor Hugo Green. He lived in New York, um, started it. He was able to know about which locations were where, long story short, via the Postal Service, because he worked for the Postal Service. So he was able to basically strategize a way for postal office workers um, who were delivering mail to know which locations were where. Also, that's a very, very, very nutshell version of that. And there's a lot more history that goes with it. But mm-hmm. um, but essentially, the lectures I've done, I started with slavery and talking about space and movement and the restriction of movement for Black people and,
2: yeah.
1: what, and how that leads to the Green Book, right? So during slavery, Black people um, were not able to, to, they weren't even people we were not people right we were property right. we right. if we did move about quote-unquote by ourselves and we had to have a tag when we had to wear something mm-hmm. some big, some big con- contraption right to make sure that right. we could be seen and heard and we didn't run away it was very violent and very dehumanizing and just yeah. and so then I traced it from there to Reconstruction era and Plessy versus Ferguson, which was 1896, and Separate but Equal, and what that represented for public transportation and these limitations mm-hmm. that were put on Black people, right? And so, but then what you also have is the highways being built. And with highways mm-hmm. being built, come cars, and with cars comes this idea of status and wealth and what that mm-hmm. represents. And so you weave that in, right, with Black people and how Black people were starting to define themselves based on material things um and also at the same time this is happening right 1900s to 1967 um you have the great migration so there were three waves of that right so you have black people that are fleeing the south in droves as fast as they mm-hmm. can um mm-hmm. because of the horrors right that were occurring there and this is like 1930s ni- 1940s isn't this, is, this this ain't 1865 y'all who are listening mm. like this is like my my dad was part of the third wave of the great migration technically like you he oh, wow. realized yeah because he left yes, that
0: recent yeah
1: yeah like he left north carolina um he was cropping tobacco in 1963 he was wow my dad was 18 yeah and he left and went to brooklyn um so he's technically part of that third wave. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, history is not a long time ago. And so, um, and so, yeah, that was like surface level research with connecting uh-huh. the dots and talking about cars and looking at ebony magazines and jet magazines and car ads and just even looking at music and how music incorporated um, songs about cars and driving on the open road and all these things. And also the dangers though. Came with traveling for Black people. Like just because you had a green book didn't mean that you're gonna be safe. And also, not everyone had the green book. Like they were not just out here just passing them out. And the green book wasn't like, oh, okay, I'm driving up this road. Okay, there's this location with this big sign. Nah, like a lot of these locations are people's houses. So Mm -hmm. you may have a house, right? Maybe maybe it's me who like lives there, and I decide to have my house be a place where I do hair and I can cook food for people. So I'm listed Mm -hmm. as a Green Book location, right? And so it's that kind of thing and what that represented for Black culture and Black community and safety and autonomy Mm -hmm. and trust. And so- there was that right and so the 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 two books that have been written about the green book really focus on that stuff but there's still uh-huh. a lot that has not been answered and i'm like uh-huh. what about white reactions to the green book what about vandalism to some of these locations right what about uh-huh. the people like here in wilmington that are still alive that remember the green book locations and also uh-huh. why weren't all like just because there were black businesses doesn't mean that all of them were in the green book. So, like here right. In right, like that's not what that meant. And so, like here in Wilmington, there are black businesses. Where I've I've talked to some like older black people who remember. Mm-hmm wilmington back in the day and they were listing black businesses and i was like that's not in the green book that's interesting so what does that say so why were some locate like why were some locations listed and why were some businesses not listed so here in wilmington there was also a horrific race massacre in um 1898 on november the 10th it was Mm. also the only successful coup in history in the history Uh of
2: right
1: and I also, part of what I want my research to be is to trace the, whoever owned the Green Book locations here in Wilmington to trace that back to who owned that same land in 1898. That's a Mm lot of work. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of deed research. That's a lot of figuring out who even owned these locations. That requires like looking at city directories from 1942. That requires Mm -hmm. looking at like, yeah, like deeds and stuff from, Back in the day, where you can barely decipher them, that requires like having this framework and having this historiographic methodology, and and also not just that, also like ethnography and getting interviews from Black people who lived during the time, what they remember, and what that says about space and movement and blackness, and also whiteness, and why yeah. did the Green Book locations stop? Like, and it's mm-hmm. easy to say, oh well, Green Book stopped because of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, right, like 1964, 1965, because, oh, Black people Uh didn't need the Green Book anymore. I I don't think that's just it, though, right? Like, there's a lot more that happened. Um, One thing that I discovered, and I connected the dots with, with Wilmington, North Carolina, is urban renewal started happening in the 1960s. Urban Uh renewal meant taxes changes, meant property changed. Um, Did Black people get pushed out of certain areas? Also, What were the races of the people who own these locations? Were they mostly black? Were they a few white people? Those are the questions. Those are the things that no one has answered yet. Mm. And that's just some. That's like maybe, Andre, a fourth of what I'm even looking at. Um, (laughs) It sounds like a lot, right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so I've heard people say like we need a new green, green book. And so I'm wondering... Why do you feel like it's important for know, for people to know about the Green Book? And do you agree with people who say we need a new one? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's important for people to know about the Green Book because people need to understand that after slavery and after Reconstruction, it wasn't like everything was fine here. People also need to understand how racism operates in this country and how white supremacy mm-hmm. and capitalism operate in this country. Um, mm-hmm. People need to right, like understand that you can't just look at history in a vacuum. You can't just mm-hmm. look at history and people talk about the car and the automobile and people were traveling back then. Nah, like white people could might travel safely. But mm-hmm. if me and my brother and my two parents are traveling from, oh, I don't know, North Carolina to Virginia, there may have been two places where we could stop too. Like a lot of the time, people had to sleep in their cars and people were like just would be driving down back roads and be and come across a mob of white people. Or they would stop somewhere because they were tired on like the side of the road and minding their own business. And Mm -hmm. white people come by and they just harass them. They assault Uh them. They... Damage their car. They threaten their kids. Like these are things that happen. And I need people to understand that moving in this country as a black person has always Mm -hmm. been dangerous. It's always Mm -hmm. been violent. And it's always been about us having to recognize that at any given moment, we are not somewhere where we are safe. Right. right, And and that's and that comes to today. Right. Like we look at what happens, trigger warning for people listening, but we look what happens to black people. Right. Whenever Mm -hmm. we need help with our car and it's broken down in the middle of the street and the cops Mm. come. And we need help. Why, why, why do we end up dying? And, 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 And so this big thing about movement and being black and moving throughout this country. Um, mentally, physically, and spiritually, it's, um, yeah. it's always been impressive. And I want people to understand.
0: Even without the car, I think of, as you say this, I think of how many Black people have been harassed, assaulted, even killed in recent memory mm-hmm. just for jogging down the street, selling yeah. water bottles, barbecuing mm-hmm. in the park, sleeping mm-hmm. in a public space than dorm, trying to enter their own apartment, checking into an Air- Airbnb. You know, there is all there are all of these times where we're just moving around and we have a whole meme about it, right, like mm-hmm. blank while black, driving while black, sleeping while black, yep. whatever while black. Yeah. you know, I think that a lot of people who are not aware of this history take for granted that we can just move about freely and we see these things as extraordinary, right I mean, those of us who are not really awake to it tend to see these things as extraordinary. Like, how how could this person harass this man or woman or person yeah. while they're going around? And I feel like I'm making the connection in what you're saying of like, you can trace these things all the way back to needing a pass to leave the plantation. Yes, yes,
1: you know? yes. And these and, things are evolving. Yeah. yeah, and that's the stuff that I want people to see. Because often what happens um, whenever I'm talking about things, I'm like, Patron during my live Q and A or webinar or whatever, a lot of my patrons who attend these every month, which shout out to y'all if y'all are listening. Um, A lot of people who attend these and watch these these replays, they've shared with me like, "Wow, I never thought about it that way." Like, oh, I didn't even consider that, right? And so, yeah, tracing it back to slavery people. And also there are people who may think, I think that's a stretch. Actually, it's not because y'all created racism. We didn't create, (laughs) right? like We did not create this. Y'all created this. Y'all created this. And Mm -hmm. now you're upset and mad because we have the sheer audacity to call it out, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I have the audacity to connect the dots and show the bullshit that's in history and like how this country's always operated and so i want people to make these connections so then when we do have these conversations right or we about what's happening in 2021 and yeah um black people jogging and then being hunted down and murdered right like understand that that Is no different from how it's always been here, and so. Mm -hmm. And you also just said something to Andre um, a few minutes ago. You were saying how people will ask, like, "Well, how how is this happening?" And I'm really Mm -hmm. tired of that question. That actually angers me. It angers me. People are still asking these freaking questions, like, "How is this? What do you mean, how? That that is if if that's still your first question is how." you are not as far along as you think mm-hmm. you
2: are,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just not. Um, yeah. That's never my my first thought. That's never it. My first thought usually is, I, well, really it's not even a thought. Usually it's a, it, it's a physical pain. Before I even see the news story, before I even anything, my stomach starts hurting or something in my body gets mm-hmm. tight whenever I hear mm-hmm. about what happens to a black person, right? And um, understanding that, there they could have been me and it could have been my brother or my dad or my cousin that's why even and then bringing it back to what your your second question was too about why a green book is even necessary today is because this isn't a post racist country right (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not right and there are still places I i guarantee you like right now my parents, both of them, um, no places back home uh, mm-hmm. where they would not go. They would not go. There are um,
0: whole states I won't drive through.
1: Honestly, no, truly. Like,
0: I will, I will seriously like listen. I don't give a, I don't give a damn. I will bypass Mississippi. I'm not driving through there.
2: Well, well, I'm
0: driving around.
2: Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and it's like um, I've, i have uh, I led a legacy trip um last month in September um, mm-hmm. with, no, in, in August. Wow. Yeah. Cause it's October in August, um, mm-hmm. with, uh, Tina Strawn, And that was in Montgomery, Alabama, because you go to the lynching memorial and we go to the legacy museum. Um, and I went on the trip just as a person going on, on this trip last year in February, right before things shut down with COVID. And whenever I went last year, Andre, and I Uh stepped foot out of the airport in Montgomery, Alabama. I don't know how to explain this to people, but the air is different. And then me and another woman who I met um, and I'm still friends with there, we ended up rooming together. We were walking around, quote unquote, downtown Montgomery. And it was just this eerie feeling. Um, Uh And we're walking past the fountain, the same fountain that you see in pictures, the same fountain the same places where enslaved people were sold. It, it's it's um, yeah. Uh, Alabama is one of the places for for me. Um, and mm-hmm. Mississippi, I can imagine. Uh, but yeah, there there are places. And and also, I need people to understand that you can't just base it off of something that's blatant in your face. There are places where I've been, where yeah. there are black people that go, and there are white people that go, and there are brown people that go. But for me. And other mm. Black people that I've talked to, too, I'm, it's like, ah, uh, not going to go there. Like, there yeah. are just things, right? There are just things that we know, like, no, nah, I'm not, not going to go there again um, no, because of how we're treated. And mm. people often need proof. They're like, oh, well, that that didn't happen to me. Well, because you're white. Cause you're white or, oh, well, that didn't happen to my, to one of my black friends or even black people. Right. Who will be like, well, that didn't happen to me. Well, cool. We are not a monolith. Um, right. Exactly. Right. Like, don't. Yeah. You know? and so, um, that's also part of it too. So I forgot where I was going with that, but basically, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about, you know, like why it's necessary to have, or why it could be useful to have things like this today, because, mm-hmm. you know, we are. I think the part of the point that you're making is that people assume that 2021 is an entirely different story than, you know, the 1960s or the 1950s or even the 1800s, you know. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: in some ways it is very different, Mm -hmm. right? Because we have Mm -hmm. much better technology. Absolutely. But the anti-Black algorithm of yeah. this society continues mm-hmm. to yield similar results as they did,
2: absolutely, you know, yeah. In these
0: previous eras, mm-hmm. and so we still do kind of, even if we don't have like a manual, you mm-hmm. know, or a guide like the Green mm-hmm. Book, the fundamental question that 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 required something like that to be produced: where am I safe? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is
0: still very much salient today. Yes. So what do we do with that now? You know, like You know, are you just kind of handing us that like okay, this needs to be done, which is fine. Like you could do that, you know, but I'm just wondering like if you
1: Yeah, I really like for me right now and I'm I actually have put the research and stuff on hold this year just because um mm-hmm. that 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 kind of that kind of stuff is a lot. I wish I could just do it full time because yeah. it's a full time job really, but It's really to me even right now trying to figure out what it is I am trying to say, what it is I Mm. am really trying to get to the nitty-gritty of. Because the thing about being a historian, right, is I don't just retell history. Yes, I do that. But also what this book is, is it's a book that with things in it, there are gonna be more things in it that have never been said before, right? Like there are things Mm. in it that are all my original thought with me looking even at books like Candace Taylor's and Gretchen Soren's to mm-hmm. cite them and to quote them and that kind of thing. And also to build on that because yeah. that's what history is, right? History research. I have tons of books. I mean, thousands of dollars mm-hmm. of books behind me and I have books right now. I have, uh, I have them organized like a certain way, but I have books that are like about slavery that were written in 2001. And I have a book about slavery written in 2020. Right. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is whenever I look at the the footnotes or the end notes, I see, oh, wow, this book from 20 from 2002 was still cited in this book from 2020. Because yeah. as historians, what what we do um, and I don't mean reading all historians stuff. Because just because you're a historian does not mean that you are actually viewing history from this lens that includes a critical race theory mindset, right? Like, that mm-hmm. is not what it means. Like, you mm-hmm. have people that have PhDs that write that the Holocaust never happened. What? Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, let's not even... So, that's... No. Um, I've read books before where it said that slavery was not the cause for the Civil War. Like, there are historians who right, right. that, right? Right but that's the thing is knowing is that discernment and that's a me thing and how mm-hmm. I do that um, and how I feel led. Cause also I think a, a big part of this with, with me and who I am, what I do, the compassion that I have is a lot of God, a lot of God, mm-hmm. a lot of faith, a lot of knowing and understanding the, um, the, the racial justice Jesus that I grew up learning about and, mm what it means to, to feel God and to have this relationship with God and to feel led. And mm. um, sometimes I wish that I wasn't. I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie about it because mm. o- <laughs> obedience is not easy, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then also, even me talking about this, people that are listening, like, it also requires um, a different lens with how you see spir- spirituality. Um, yeah. And so that's like a big part of the work that I do too is, yeah, just knowing my purpose, knowing, um, uh, what I'm called to do and what that feels like. Um, and, uh, trusting that. And then also like with the green book stuff, it'll be like, all right, I'm adding to the work in the field. I'm adding to the disc discourse. to be another scholarly book written about it. And I won't just be retelling the history. I'm going to be adding to it things that haven't been said. And so I want people to be able to take it and reckon with it. Um, And with, with the rate that we're going with social media and, um, people having thoughts and ideas and just how to move about in the country, uh, I hope that it does become a bigger conversation. Um, And I plan on continuing to have this conversation, right? Mm -hmm.
0: So, As we were talking, it brought up a question I've been asking myself. And I feel like as a historian, it's got to be salient to you. I'm sure that you've been thinking about this because when you say like some people are writing history books and saying the Holocaust didn't happen, I'm really just thinking about like we live in this time where it's, I don't know if it's always felt this way, but I did at least used to feel like there was like a ground of truth, right? That mm-hmm. we were like dealing with and we could have conversations and say, okay, well, well, one thing <laughs> that I mean, there's mm-hmm. some things we can take as a given, you know, now, I don't know how much of that was just because I was raised in a white supremacist society and just subscribed to that common sense and believed that there was like kind of these like givens and absolutes that were there as the ground of these conversations. Mm-hmm. And maybe like being w- woken up to the fact that like so much of truth is shaped by power and common sense is shaped by power and all the kind of stuff. You know, so given that, like, you know, also adding that in, that, that considered, I still at least felt like we could agree that like certain things are true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we have this conversation within the bounds of those things that we can count as givens as true. But it feels like we're not living in the, an era like that. And like we may not ever get back to it. You know, like part of that I do think is social media. Anybody can get on the Internet and say, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> the other day someone tried to tell me online oh, gosh. that the founding fathers freed all of their slaves
1: no absolutely their, not. and
0: i was like no they did that did not happen no you know no. it no. didn't happen it's history no. you know? right. no. like yeah no. i know george washington was a slave owner till he died he like yes. said that his slaves could be free in his will which is not right. the same you know also like, I, the, yeah I I know that Thomas Jefferson freed two people out of 600. I know that James Madison had slaves until he died. Like, what are you telling me, bro? What are you trying to say to me right now? Mm-hmm. So like as a historian, like how 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 are you feeling in this time? Like when like you're supposed to be able to look back on these things. Like, yes, millions of Jews were killed by the Nazi party, you know, and you have people with PhDs. It was a PhD that wrote in, the, in their yeah. book. You yeah. Know, see, how are you engaging in this time?
1: It's a whole problem. Um, uh-huh. when I was in grad school, uh, since so this is 2012. Um, I started grad school that January, and I took uh, a couple classes on uh, just seminars, like that summer and that or that spring and that summer on Nazi Germany. Right, and mm-hmm. uh-huh. understand that because at, at the time I wanted to focus on Black Jewish relationships in the in the United States, and that required an understanding of um, Nazi Germany and Jews in Europe. So anyway, yeah, there are people that write these books, and people buy them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, even with like what you were saying, Andre, about the founding fathers, right? What people don't mm-hmm. understand, right, is like Thomas Jefferson raped Sally Hemings. Uh-huh. Um, there would be no story about Thomas Jefferson room without Sally Hemings, but I'm going to get into that right now. After people, anyone who owned enslaved people were dead, that was still their property. Like they could still dictate what happened to their property, to these black right. enslaved people. Right? right. And so there were things with like Thomas Jefferson, where after he died um, in order to pay off his debts, he uh, was able, they were able to um, whoever to sell, his property. Like, that mm-hmm. stuff was still happening after he died. He was, like, that's, that's the thing, right? It's people, and so badly people want to um, glorify the founding fathers of this country. They were liter- they literally, okay, genocide, murder, sexual assault, like, all these things. They signed documents and were fine with slavery. And even after slavery, like, you had... Presidents that were fine with lynching and, and all these things, right? And so
2: mm-hmm.
1: I just look at it honestly, Andre. I just look at some of these books and I'm like, I'm not even going to read that. I'm not even going to entertain that. I'm <laughs> not <laughs> going to do it. I'm going to focus on what I'm a, like, look at like the books that I'm reading and that kind of thing. And now, do I read books where I agree with some of it and then I also critique it and I'm like, oh, I didn't like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. Right. You have to. Yes. Yeah. I don't read anything where I'm like, I loved every single thing. Um, well, mm-hmm. I actually just read Clint Smith's How the Word is Passed, and it was a pretty phenomenal book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, must, I must say that, yes, yes. But, like, whenever it comes to history books, these dense history books that I have where you have a thesis and you're reading it and you get to some of the chapters where they're kind of dry, like, that's the mm-hmm. stuff that I enjoy. And I do that reading, also, shameless plug, with my book club. Because um, mm-hmm. I, like, we read a couple of books that are scholarly books. Um, and the reason why is because I want to help them think through this stuff, right? Like I'm able to help guide them and to see the de- and how deep history can go. And so, really, with people like that that write these books that are full of crap, I'm like y'all are gonna write <laughs> and y'all do your thing. But also, that's why I do what I do, so that yeah. I can reach people and they can remember what they've learned from me.
0: Yeah, Um, that's, I mean, we need, we need, this is why we need people who are doing this kind of work so that we can have, you know, some kind of sense of like what actually happened. And it helps us to make sense of the present and helps us to understand like what is possible for the future.
1: Yes. And I also do it from a framework too where, so with my history, may I have one that's in um, conflict management and resolution. I just got that master's mm-hmm. last year. And I, I approach it too from a place to understand um, how to de-escalate something from the beginning. So mm-hmm. whenever I'm having conversations, right, with white people that are in my container, like Patreon and stuff, right? It's like, all right, well, I know this is going to be a topic that's going to be touchy. Yep. And so I start the conversation with that. Like, all right, mm-hmm. it's going to be touchy. Um, also I'm not going to cuddle your like white feelings, but also I'm not telling you this to make you feel guilty or to make you feel shame, right? Now, if you feel those things, that's on you, but you got to do that. But I'm telling you this history because I want you to know it and to learn it, to put that in your arsenal, so to speak, for lack of better words, as you continue on your anti-racism journey and live this life that you want, that you should be committed to. And so that you can learn the history, right? Like, that's why I approach it the way that I do. Um, Because it's very important for that communication as well. For people to come into the space with a mind, knowing... And that's one thing that I do with my my book club. I'll open it and be like, this is a safe space, y'all. Like, feel free to share. Um, And also, if you say something to me that's like, not all right, I'm gonna be like, mm... That wasn't okay, but let's talk about how you can say that differently in the future and why your mindset's got to change. Instead uh, of approaching someone right and being like, "Oh, well, you're you're just wrong." Now, let me make a very clear distinction here. <laughs> um, that level of patience is a lot. I don't like. I do it often with my patrons. I do it with people who I've done anti-racism con- consulting with. Right? Like, feel free yeah. to share with me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. And you can share and then we're going to work through why what you said is not okay. And I'm not yep. lying to you, Andre, like I've seen the progress. Like I, I mm. have, people have just arrived, right? Because you don't just arrive and you're not like a perfect white person or black person or brown person. Um, mm. But it's about that compassion makes a difference with people. Um, but also I will tell people like, get out of my face. So there's that. So it's a balance. It's a balance. It's a balance. So,
0: yeah. Which is a good setup for my last question. So, what I usually ask people what keeps them hopeful, but I know that people have issues with hope because, you know, like I think they feel like it's an emotion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, I mean, you can take it as what keeps you going. Like, what, what makes you keep showing up to do the work?
1: Yeah. Uh, the history that I've read and the people yeah. who haven't been able to say what they wanted to say, um, I think about how much my parents weren't able to say much they've had to just take. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of their stories I incorporate into things that I talk about. Um, And also because I am convicted by something higher than me, bigger than me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's been a consistent thing in my life for the last decade. So Mm -hmm. it's not going to go anywhere. And uh, I embrace that. And I want people to learn the history. I get happy and excited when people have breakthroughs and people are moved and people give me feedback and people say like, wow, I didn't know this or wow, like I'm going to go tell someone this. That is what keeps me going. And also Black people. Black people keep me going. Like I'm so serious. Like <laughs> Black people keep me going. Like some Black yep. people keep me going. Um, like there are some Black people I consider to be um, in my corner, right? Like, yes. my community, and we, we encourage each other. Um, yeah. we uplift each other and yeah, I just have a passion. I have such a huge passion for history and teaching people. And that's not the mindset of everyone out here. Uh, but that's mine. That's my journey. This is what I've been called to do. So I'm going to do it.
0: Wonderful. Well, Letty, we're so glad to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been so amazing. I wish we could keep talking. Where can people find you online and keep up with your work?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, on Instagram, you can follow me at sincerely.letty. And my podcast is also on Instagram at History Shows Us Podcast. Um, you can listen to the podcast on apple spotify google podcasts all of the major um streaming outlets and on patreon at um patreon.com slash letty shoemate um, mm-hmm. so you can follow me there um, there's a link in my bio on instagram as well but people should really join my patreon because i give yeah. out a lot of stuff so yeah of stuff you can do, so yeah
0: wonderful all right well thanks again for ha- for being on the show letty
1: Yes.
2: Thank you,
0: Andre.
2: Thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you heard and you haven't already, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Also, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts helps us get more ears and minds. You can find all the links in the show notes for today's guest, as well as Andre's newsletter, Patreon, and book. You can connect with Andre on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Henry. That's all for this episode of the Hope and Heart Pills podcast. We'll see you next time.